Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I'm Allison. And I'm Kate. And we are Uh, the Itty Itty Bitty Bitty Wedding Committee. Yay! Hoagie really wanted to join. Yes, the intro. Yeah, Hoagie, Hoagie the the puppy boy. He's right here. He's making lots of noises. He's shutting up a storm. He's trying to leave. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, stop Um, talking about me. Well, the room we're recording in is way too hot for him because he's mm. a, a winter kind of dog and he still insists on coming in when I record. It's just his routine. And once he picks what a routine is, he's sticking to it. That's so, so sweet. Yeah, he's he's really panting right now. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited about this topic that we've decided to chat about today. Um, we've kind of touched on it ooh, like way, 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 way back in the day when we first started. Um, and I think one of our wedding trend episodes, um, we're talking about sustainability. So we thought it'd be fun to kind of dig a little bit deeper and have a fully dedicated episode to different ways that you can make your wedding more sustainable. Um, if that's something that you're super passionate about, and if it's not something that you're super passionate about right now, maybe after this episode, you'll maybe incorporate some of these things to make your wedding more green. You got it. Uh, so I'm thinking that the best way to go about this, because I, I can just talk all day about sustainability. And I also want to apologize. I actually just changed. Yes. So I just changed my speaker on my computer. Uh, oh, no, I you're fine. thought that my speaker was on AirPods and it wasn't. So I hope there's no reverb. If there is, Elsie, don't kill me. We can re-record this. Oh no, it's fine. Uh, you sound great. Okay, good. So we should be okay then. But yeah, I can talk about sustainability all day. I've been in the Green Wedding Alliance since 2012 when I first started the company. It was actually the first thing I did once I started the company. I basically just picked a name, kind of made a website, went for it, and applied to the GWA. And it's a really great organization. So if you're in Chicago, this is a fantastic resource for you to use. It is founded and run uh, as a nonprofit by sustainability-minded wedding vendors. We have, oh, I want to say around 40-ish members in the group at this point, maybe more. And we're updating the list every year. So checking in on people's practices, doing education events, holding one another accountable, uh, just providing some useful trips of the tri- tricks of the trade and uh, doing other events like a wedding decor recyclery and a wedding show and Wedtoberfest in the fall. So it's a really, really great resource that I encourage you to check out. Even if you're not in Chicago, you can't book the GWA vendors necessarily, but you can still use all of the tips that we're going to go over today, which are largely coming from the Green Wedding Guide. So greenweddingalliance.com, shout out, great great organization. Uh, I'm really struggling to talk today. So Allison, take it away. (laughs) So we'll probably kind of start with kind of the bigger, you know, areas of your wedding where you can be more sustainable, which is usually like catering. um, And then, uh, well, catering is kind of overarching because they do food and then also like the things that you use, like the vessels and things that you use to eat off of and, you know, serve your food in. Um, and then floral is another big one. Um, and then what was the other big category? Um, A lot of paper goods. Just yeah, like paper goods for sure. Yeah. So and let's then, get into it. Yeah, yeah. So with catering, there are a couple of things that are super obvious. And with most vendors, just like we're always going to tell you, get a planner, get a planner. Uh, one of the things I will probably beat you over the head with in this episode is the number one most sustainable thing you can do that is so easy for you is just hire vendors that are truly focused on sustainability to begin with because they're doing the legwork for you. You don't need to research things. You don't need to do anything or instruct them on anything. It's just built into what they're already doing. So it's totally foolproof, totally stress-free. If you're getting a caterer that's keeping things greener, uh, there's the really obvious stuff, of course, like, you know, what are they doing to source really high quality, local, seasonal, organic, whatever it may be, ingredients. Uh, What are they doing, of course, to give back to the community, which is really a part of sustainability in its own way, just being community focused. Mm -hmm. And 
what are the things they're doing, like recycling and composting and really encouraging it. That's huge, reducing their food waste and all of their other business associated waste. Yeah, I yeah, think that, that's though. a really big one, um, especially with catering um, is just food waste, especially in a city like Chicago, like we're a big city and we're also a big event city. Um, so if you can imagine, you know, before people really started kind of focusing on being more sustainable, there was a ton of food waste um, that could there happen. Still and there still is. Um, I've seen some, you know, catering companies and also like some hotels um, really prioritize being more sustainable. Um, the hotel that I used to work at, uh, shout out to Embassy Suites Chicago downtown Magnificent Mile. Sorry for the <laughs> long name. There's two Embassy Suites Chicago downtown. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I loved about working there is we had an executive chef that really, really cared about the environment and giving back and being sustainable. And, you know, he really came in and kind of kind of whipped into shape the, the, the sustainability practices that the hotel was doing from a food perspective. So some of the things that, you know, Kate mentioned is, you know, sourcing from, you know, sourcing also being seasonal, that's a big one, but also sourcing from, you know, local um, vendors for a lot of the products um, to reduce, you know, waste in that way. Um, starting a composting program, which was like super, super huge. That's something that like especially in a city like Chicago, you don't really hear a lot of um, hotels doing. Um, so, you know, it's definitely good to see, you know, a lot of some of these companies really thinking about, you know, reducing that, that food waste. Cause that's, that's a really big undertaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff that might be going on with your caterer behind the scenes that is helpful and you can help them make some of these choices too. So a, a caterer that's focused on sustainability is going to try to avoid a lot of unnecessary packaging, a lot of unnecessary transport miles. So they might make more in-house, they might partner with more local artisanal manufacturers and growers. Uh, they'll try to source their beer more locally and things like that. Uh, what you can do as a customer is aim for more sustainable menu items to begin with. So instead mm -hmm. of going for beef, uh, for example, which is one of the most uh, heavy consumption things you can put on a plate before it gets to your table. Uh, you could, even if you're not completely avoiding meat, maybe go for things like chicken and go for sustainably sourced fish. And stuff like that can be really helpful just in minimizing the impact based on the choices you are personally making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can also, I love that. Uh, yeah, avoiding buffet is a nice idea. Even family style, sometimes there will just be a lot of overage that gets thrown away at the end because that's going out and it's not safe to keep. So even if there is leftover that you want to do something with, uh, legally, a lot of the caterers are going to tell you like, no, we're, we're not gonna let you maybe get sick off that because they don't wanna get sued. Funnily enough, there's not actually that big of a risk. There are a lot of consumer uh, or business protections in place so that if you're being a good Samaritan by donating food or giving food out, um, you, you are more or less covered, but just nobody wants to cross that bridge and deal with yeah. that and open themselves up. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, plated meals have the least amount of food waste compared to any other service format that you can have at your wedding. Yeah, yeah, because there, there's, you can control the portions a lot better that way. And so you're not having as much food in bulk to throw away at the end of the night. So that makes exactly. a lot of sense. Exactly. Uh, what I would encourage too, because a lot of the time clients when they're looking into catering are thinking about desserts and maybe placing that order independently of the caterer, uh, don't overdo your servings. Think about, for example, if you have cake, are you going to have the cake served table side, which means that you're going to have to order one serving per person and then even the stuff that goes out and isn't eaten will be tossed. Or do you want to more sustainably put that on the station so you don't need to order as many servings knowing mm -hmm. that not every single person will take one. And then hopefully it can get sliced and plated and set out uh, in a little more staggered way so if there are leftovers that haven't gone out on the floor yet, you can keep those at the end. Yeah. Same what about sweets. on the, yeah, sweets Don't are- Don't overorder. Yeah, People exactly. overorder. <laughs> um, I feel like people tend to over or incline to overorder because they have this mentality of like, I have to give people enough food. I have to feed them under the table. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do that. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. But 
that's a common misconception that, you know, you have to have like all this excess amount of food, excess amount of food, or else people are going to go hungry. Nobody's going to go hungry at your wedding. I promise. Like yep. it'll be fine. <laughs> a good caterer and you're a good caterer will not steer you wrong. Exactly. Um, what about on the bar and beverage side? Mm-hmm. Bar and beverage, there's definitely some stuff. So like mm-hmm. we talked about already, just, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just making sure that you're looking into businesses that are doing it right to begin with. So which ones are already looking into sourcing seasonal, local, organic ingredients, which ones are locally made, so you're minimizing the shipping miles, uh, who is really more conscientious about their recycling type programs, and kegs in general, if you're, we're talking about beer, are going to be more sustainable than bottles and cans, but mm-hmm. a lot of events, for simplicity's sake, will do bottles and cans, and again, then that just comes back to your caterer or your bar service, making sure they are properly sorting and recycling those items. Uh, beyond that, I would always opt for glass or aluminum over plastic. Plastic recycling is a joke. I mean, it recycling in Chicago <laughs> is a bit of a joke anyway, but plastic in particular is just, it, it's ending up in a landfill. <laughs> Ultimately, it's practically a guarantee. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, one thing that I do like um, on this little reference guide that we're taking a peek at is the skipping of the toast. Um, I think that that's just like one of those things that people can go either way. I'm like, oh my God, do I, I really have to have a champagne toast? Like, do I really need to have that? And um, the answer is your guests will be fine if you don't have a formal champagne toast. And what I mean by that is you have either you know, pre-poured glasses of champagne at every place or someone is coming around at some point while everyone is seated and giving everyone a glass of champagne. Um, You don't have to do that. Um, Instead, you can pretty much just have guests toast with whatever their beverage of choice is. So if they, you know, grabbed a glass of champagne from the bar because that's what they wanted to drink or if they wanted to have wine or beer, whatever the case may be, like you can toast with water like you can toast with whatever beverage it doesn't have to be champagne um and i think you know like it does take additional rental of glassware when you're doing that formal champagne toast um which can kind of lead to a little bit more waste and you know energy you know on the back end when it comes to like water and cleaning additional materials so again that's something that you can definitely forego um and it's kind of like one of those little things that people don't really think about um as is as a way to um, be sustainable in some way. Exactly, I think that's a really good call. I, in general, don't really lean toward doing a champagne toast when we're Mm -hmm. trying to find ways, uh, not even so much for sustainability's sake, but just to cut the budget. Yeah, Uh, I I will kind of eliminate the champagne toast as one of the first things because like you said, Allison, uh, I am the person who wants champagne, Prosecco, whatever, bubbling wine, and I will ask for that at the bar, so great. I'm going to consume that and appreciate it, but there are going to be plenty of other people seated maybe at my table who are going to have that glass of champagne sitting in front of them and they'll never touch it because they don't want it. Mm -hmm. So another thing you can do that's kind of an in-between or if you want kind of the vibe of the champagne toast and that element of that is have it trade fast. So maybe as people come to be seated for dinner, they can grab a glass of champagne if they want it. But then again, it's not a single serving for every single guest. Uh, especially if you have a bar package and they're charging per person for the champagne toast, you're going to be spending six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars uh, when all is said and done per person yeah. for that toast. It's not always a worthy investment. So that's yeah. something to consider. Uh, I also really like when we're talking about just how to do things at the bar and what makes the most sense. Uh, Sustainable wines are a big one just because of the growing practices in the vineyards. So that's really helpful. Uh, You also are just going to want to check in with your caterer and make sure that, you know, A, maybe they have great recommendations for you for what to do, but B, they'll be able to advise you a little more on what they're doing to cut this additional waste. So what are they doing to make sure they're recycling and to order more recyclable and sustainable materials? Uh, maybe they're even not giving out the plastic water on the bar at the end yeah. of the night once the bar mm-hmm. is closed. That's a big one. You can ask for boxed or water in aluminum cans. There's a great local company in Chicago that does water in aluminum refillable reusable cans, which is awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually, funnily enough, I was at Whole Foods not too long ago and I saw water in a can for the first time and I tried it because mm-hmm. the can looked pretty and it was actually very delicious. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about box water. I've had box water before and maybe I just need to like find my brand of box water that works for me, but I don't really like the taste, but I mean, it definitely makes a lot more sense um, to do that. Or I think like having a water station is also a nice option too. Um, so it's like, mm-hmm. you're not having plastic because plastic is terrible for the environment and when you do have an option for rentals versus disposables go for the rentals it won't always be the cheapest but if Mm -hmm. you are able to opt for the slightly more expensive option it's it's a really nice way to keep things sustainable and keep things out of landfills yeah unless your caterer has the hookup on biodegradable disposables which is Mm -hmm. a thing true um not every caterer has it but that is an option if that kind of fits you know, the vibe of what you, what you have planned. And you can always request it. If you're making it clear to your caterer from the beginning, maybe they're not a known green caterer, but Mm -hmm. you want to make that effort. You can make it very clear to them that this is important to you. So what are your options? You can ask for recycling, for composting. How do you handle that when people request it? Uh, How do you source things? How do you, you know, can you accommodate these bamboo or other kinds of more sustainable biodegradable rentals? Mm-hmm. So they can probably, or not rentals, but disposables, they can probably source this stuff for you if you make it known that you care about it. And if you're informed enough to have that conversation with them. Yeah, absolutely. So another big one, another huge, like equally on par, I would say, with catering is your decor, in particular, your flowers. Yay, flowers. And we did kind of touch mm-hmm. on this a tad bit um, in our episode from last week, but, you know, we can kind of go a little bit more in depth. Um, I think, you know, the biggest area is, you know, kind of similar with catering is going with a vendor that is already doing sustainable practices within their business. Um, And one of the biggest ways that a lot of, you know, floral companies will do this is with sourcing and making sure that they're getting, you know, all of their floral and greenery from, you know, ethically sourced, um, whatever the word is I'm looking for ethnically sourced the places with the things yes the the places with the things things. I think you mean growers yes growers (laughs) I was like vendors are they vendors (laughs) you know everyone's a vendor if they try hard enough that's true Uh, well there's a really great list of questions actually on the green wedding guide for floral and I think Mm -hmm. these are amazing so I just like to kind of rattle them off so you can ask your florist, uh, do you compost with scraps? So again, composting, we're seeing a theme here. Uh, do you use floral foam? So let's just touch on that for a second. Floral foam is, if you've seen it, it's usually kind of a greenish, like a sagey green color. It's a lot like styrofoam, they pour water in it. And floral foam is extremely common unless people are making a conscientious effort not to use it, they very likely are because it's a very convenient cheap option for mm-hmm. arranging flowers in a way that will really make the arrangements hold and keep them hydrated. So uh, the problem with floral foam is that it has a lot of incredibly toxic materials. I say this as someone who's not all about oh, toxins, chemicals, blah, but it, it really does have some rough stuff in it. And it's very, very bad for the environment, very wasteful, uh, just not so hot. So. Yeah. If you're able to avoid that by asking the florist about what other types of, um, you know, kind of structural materials they use for their arrangements, that's really helpful. You can ask, do you source your flowers locally? Uh, Allison, I'm, I'm talking a bunch. Do you want to take charge oh, no, of the you're rest? Fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but, you know, sourcing flor- flowers locally is a big way to, you know, be sustainable. Um, And that's something that you can definitely ask. I think with that particular one, like, I don't know how you feel about this, Kate, but, you know, be realistic with your expectations, because obviously there are some flowers that you just can't get locally, depending on where you're at. So if you have some of those um, flowers or greenery kind of on your list of things that you're using for your decor, um, I mean, I think it would be, you know, it wouldn't hurt to ask them, you know, where are they getting the non-local, you know, materials? And if those growers are sustainable as well, like, I think that that's not a bad question to ask. And if someone gets grumpy about it, then maybe that's not a vendor that you should be working with on your wedding day. (laughs) Yeah, 
yeah. Um, and then the next one, um, do you use styrofoam to transport? That's a really good question. Um, honestly, like, I don't think at least the florists that I've dealt with um, most recently haven't used styrofoam. They'll usually use um, like something that's more recyclable or biodegradable, like old newspaper and like the little um, the corrugated uh, cardboard boxes. Um, Cause I know yes. not all, not all cardboard is recyclable. I did learn that, um, but they will use, you know those recyclable cardboard boxes to kind of transport things. So that's a really good question um, to ask. Um, do you have vintage vases to rent? Kate, I'll let you take that one just because you're the expert on all things vintage. <laughs> so, you know, what's funny is yeah, it's great to ask if you have vintage vases to rent. I do feel like this is more of a talking point on the list just to incorporate some other vendors like me who do have that, even if a florist doesn't. That mm -hmm. said, I think the bigger question here is not, are you using vintage vases? It's just, what do you already have in your collection? So you don't need to purchase new things from mm -hmm. a new wholesale manufacturer. So it's right. about just not creating those new products that aren't needed to begin with and not you know, needing a market for those. So whether or not it's actual vintage stuff or it's just stuff that's already in their collection that they can use for you without buying it new from a manufacturer, you're golden. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the last one here, can you coordinate a floral donation post-event? I love this. I love floral donations. I think it's just like a nice way to pass something along, something beautiful that isn't ready to be thrown out yet um, and save it from ending up in the garbage can. Um, so I think that's a great way to, you know, be sustainable, but, but also do something nice. Um, so I think, how does that work? Like, do I think certain florists can do it for you? Or it's like, if you want to be responsible for donating flowers yourself, you can. But I mean, mm -hmm. if the vendor can do it for you, I would rather go that route. So you're yeah. not like responsible so for all these flowers. Yeah, there are a couple of things to consider here. So there are programs for this that come and go. Uh, there used to be one major organization that would do this. They're no longer in business. Uh, or I, I say in business, I believe they were a nonprofit. But I don't recommend <laughs> transporting your own flowers for donation. It seems like a really nice, really simple idea. Like, oh, I'll just take some things and stick them in the car and drop them off in a nursing home. Doesn't really work like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of transport and organizational work involved in florals and you know they they also can't be left sitting in a kind of hot car overnight or in a freezing car overnight and things like that uh when your florist handles it for you then your florist is taking all of those things and they're not typically just taking the arrangements as is and leaving them somewhere they already have the connections at these different places whether it's a nursing home or a hospital or just any number of places they could use them but they're reworking the arrangements. So they're picking out the flowers and the other things that have started to wilt and composting those. And they're taking the more fresh stuff that's going to last and they're turning that into smaller, more manageable arrangements with vessels that they can give away without coming back to get later. So there is a lot of work involved and it's nice to just eliminate that for yourself because your florist will do it better anyway. And your florist doesn't have to go on a honeymoon. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are some good orgs for that. So just ask them in advance. If they do have a fee for that, I personally think that's fair. Not all of them are going to, but uh, especially if your florist doesn't already routinely do this, they very likely would because the cheaper thing for them to do is just going to be to strike and throw away the flowers and you're asking for more labor. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very warranted. Hopefully it's not that expensive, but there is a reason for that fee. And it's, in my opinion, a worthy expense. Yeah. Now, another big flowers, one. Yeah. If you can. Well, <laughs> when we get into other decor, and this is funny because I'm I'm pulling up this part of the Green Wedding Alliance guide and I'm like, oh, I planned and designed that event. Uh, <laughs> and it's really, really pretty. So I love that day. Uh, with all of this, there are just a couple of things you can consider. So vintage rentals, obviously, that's a great one. And that's not so much that you in your wedding are saving vintage pieces or keeping people from buying new pieces because very likely no one's going out and buying like individual brand spanking new lounge arrangements for you, right? right? The bigger thing with getting that vintage focused decor and that salvage type stuff is that in general, the business that's doing this is saving a lot of stuff from the landfill and creating a new use for it. And just, you know, participating in a, 
a low waste culture and promoting that, which is really nice. So you're supporting their endeavors to do that by working with them rather than by working with a company that buys a lot of new stuff and creates a lot of waste. Uh, you Absolutely. also, with, with lighting, LED of course is preferable to anything else like incandescent. Most of your event lighting will likely be LED. Uh, I recommend that if you are trying with decor to do a lot of DIY projects, just consider what can be streamlined and rented from other places before you purchase yeah. new stuff. Because it's not only that it's easier for you and you might still save some money, but more than you expect when all is said and done, but you're not going to have to deal with all the new packaging and the new waste and the shipping and everything that comes along with that. So, Nelson, what do you think? Do you think talking about venue in conjunction with decor is, you know, kind of the same thing? Or I, I think of the venue as its own kind of beast when you're looking for something sustainable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, it depends on what they're offering. Like, because there are definitely some venues where it's like, it's just the venue and that's literally all that they're doing. Um, but if you're dealing with a venue that does have some other kinds of components, whether they have, you know, their own like rental materials, like tables or chairs and things like that. Or if they, you know, do certain services in-house, like if they have their own floral design in-house or something like that, then that's when you, you would kind of want to get into you know, asking some of these questions about how they're being sustainable. Um, so I think it's definitely, you know, a, a good conversation to have from a venue perspective. Um, even if they're only providing like one or two things outside of just venue, like those one or two things could still be areas where um, they could, you know, still be doing some sort of sustainable practice on some level. Yeah, I think actually what I've seen from venues that I think is really important. So one of the things we'll want to look for is of course, if you've got a historic building, you're likely not getting a LEED certified building, but LEED certified buildings, more sustainable uh, practices when it comes to consumption of utilities. So are, is it a more efficient property in general? Are they focusing on that? Uh, what are their cleaning methods? You know, do they try to use uh, more gentle cleaning methods versus really, really harsh industrial strength stuff? Obviously, you want it to be safe and clean, especially given the year we've had but that can be good to learn about. It's not like the floor needs to be 100% sanitized. Right. Uh, with some of the other stuff, I really like to focus on uh, actually what is the venue doing to ensure that people are, businesses that work there are operating sustainably. So I think one of the big things there is really focusing on recycling, like having a policy with their caterers. You have to sort recyclables and take care of those. You have to aim to compost. And one of venue has a stricter list, but even some that don't. So uh, in Chicago, I'm thinking of a venue that is not part of the Green Wedding Alliance, which is called Ovation. And they have an mm -hmm. open catering list, but Spencer, the owner there, is very committed to telling vendors like, hey, you need to sort your recyclables. So if a caterer is working on site, that's part of it. You need to be doing this. And I think that's great. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if um, your venue runs the bar program, then it just goes back to all the stuff we said about bar. Exactly, exactly. Um, the only thing that we didn't mention about bar um, was the straw situation. Oh, yes. Um, which, okay, so did, I can't remember if Chicago did a mandate for straws or like if it was required or not, but I know there was a lot of um, establishments in the city that were you know, moving away from plastic straws and doing um, other more recyclable materials like paper and things like that. Um, so that, that's, you know, exciting. I know like paper straws aren't always fun and people don't like them, but I mean, when you see a video of a plastic straw getting pulled out of a sea turtle's nose, it makes me really sad. And it's like, that makes me think twice about using, you know, plastic straws and you know or if you can just like not use straws at all that's also you know an option um mm -hmm. I don't know what are your and thoughts I, on the straw debacle <laughs> uh I I'm very anti-straw so first of all I just personally don't like straws I don't like when I get them I feel like they're going to poke me in the eye and I take them out of my drink but I am like you said Allison the the plastic waste whether it's in the oceans or anything else particularly with wildlife really gets to me because I used to work directly in a wildlife veterinary clinic. 
And I would see what would happen when there were entanglements with Mm -hmm. human objects, which happens a lot, even locally in Chicago and the suburbs. Uh, It's it's a very, very real, very brutal issue, not to get too soapboxy and downery in a wedding podcast, but um, there is a lot of long-term suffering and damage that that can inflict on animals. So yeah, yeah, just in general, I am very much a, please, if you have a six pack, cut up the plastic from the six pack Mm -hmm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I'm very much that person. It really, truly does make a difference. So yeah, I'm very anti-straw. Stay away from straws. Uh, There are paper straws. I don't love them. I'd skip them. They get really soggy really fast, but they're cute. (laughs) So they make you, they encourage you to drink your drink faster and get more intoxicated. So (laughs) that's true. That's true. Uh, speaking of paper stuff, uh, paper goods. This is a huge one. Uh, this is favorite one couples part. About. Yes. All right. You want to take it away? Sure. No pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like paper goods, like, first of all, when you think of recycling and sustainability, I feel like this is like the area that comes up, you know, probably the first one that comes to mind. Um, and there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, be sustainable sustainable from a paper perspective. I think one of them is, you know, using certain, um, the, the types of actual paper that you use um, and having those be from, made from recyclable materials or made from, you know, bio, biodegradable materials or, you know, shying away from, you know, certain materials. Like what's the one that's like really pretty, but not super sustainable. Vellum. Um, uh, that's not the one that's coming to mind. Is it the, is it the foil? Like, is that what it's called? Oh, when, so when you use, uh, like a gold foil, for example, yeah. When it's that kind of foil press into your paper, that means the paper is no longer recyclable mm-hmm. because that's not a recyclable material. Yeah. So little decisions like that. Um, just when you're making um, invitation decision when you're kind of shopping for invitations, like, you know, that's a small way that you can, you know, reduce the footprint from your wedding for sure. Yeah. I think it's funny with invitations because this is the thing that I see my clients getting most fixated on. No, we just don't want waste. We don't want waste. Uh, I think it's really important to be conscientious about that. I think the materials you're choosing makes a bigger difference than Mm -hmm the quantity of materials you're choosing per invitation suite, for example. So if it's going to be an issue for you, like you really want an RSVP that gets mailed or you really want a details card because there are a lot of details and people need that information, I would say maybe don't skip that then. Put those inserts in. Just make sure you're working with a designer that's more sustainable, who Mm -hmm. uses better materials, whether it's vegetable-based inks or handmade paper or just sustainably harvested paper. So there's a lot you can do there. And I think that has more value overall when you consider the amount of waste that goes into the grand scheme of a wedding than one little three by five card that could make you really happy if you had it. Yeah. Um, One uh, tip that I like on here too is um, skipping unnecessary paper goods. So um, (laughs) the opposite of what I just said, but it is good to consider. (laughs) (laughs) Like um, the example that they use here, like wedding programs, like, yeah, are they nice to have? Sure. You know, they look nice. Sometimes they're definitely, sometimes they are definitely needed, but they're not always needed. So if you're like, oh, like I want a program because, you know, it's like a nice touch, like maybe forego that, especially if your situation is not like, if your, you know, wedding ceremony or itinerary is not super elaborate. Um, and if you just want it to look nice, like you can definitely forego that and like use less paper. Um, I could say the same thing for menus. I personally think a dinner menu is cute and a nice touch, but it's also like, not super sustainable, especially if you're not using sustainable materials for that menu card. Um, but it's also like not super necessary either, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though I do love them personally. But, you know, again, that's kind of another one of those things where it's like, do I really need this? Uh, probably not. And then it's also a big cost saver too, if you don't do menu cards, because that's something yeah. that if you decide to do, you've got to do one for every single, you know, place setting, um, which can really add up. Well, so pre-pandemic tip that I got from another planner in the city that I love, uh, Missy at Honeybee, she said, hey, I just, I take the stuff that can't be recycled 
like uh, spoil and stuff like that or all the stuff that's kind of the same size like menus and I use the back as scrap paper and mm-hmm. I think that's great so obviously you know with, with COVID maybe we'll rethink that the stuff that's already gone out and been touched by people who are eating but I really like the idea of if you can't recycle something you can just repurpose it use it for mm-hmm. something else so when you get all those leftover things you can at least put that to use before it goes in the landfill or goes to be recycled uh Allison, I totally agree about some of those more superfluous optional type things. So programs even, one nice thing you can do if you really want a printed program instead of one on a sign, which can be sustainable if it's like a hand-lettered sign on an object like a mirror, so nothing's getting thrown out. Uh, You can look into maybe just not providing one program for every single person. So similar to favors, if you're not putting one on each seat, you're going to have people who don't take them, who share with the person they came with, who just don't really care. So you can definitely get away with choosing less stuff if you're being conscientious about how you're going to get that to people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then the same with escort cards. I like escort cards and I think that they are necessary because people need to know where to go. Um, But if you want to be more sustainable, you can have one giant escort card that tells everybody where to go. Um, so that's a nice touch, um, having like a really nice By that sign. You mean a seating chart. Yeah, <laughs> having like a really nice sign that you know tells people like their table assignment, so that you don't have to print you know cards that tell people where to go. So that's another nice way to kind of save on that. Yeah, and this one, it's funny that you brought that up because I literally last night had this conversation with a couple that's very focused on sustainability when we were doing their budget consultation and Mm -hmm. what we talked about was just kind of weighing the pros and cons of different alternatives so i said the most sustainable thing for doing something hand lettered on something that already exists like a mirror uh that's the most sustainable option for assigning guests to their seats however if you have a large guest count in particular uh, your, and you have a plated meal with meal selections, your caterer is probably going to want to know at each table setting which guest mm-hmm. wants what. So right. if you're doing more sustainable paper for an escort card, for example, and a guest picks that up and brings it to their spot at the table and that displays the name, the table, the meal, that can be really helpful compared to doing a seating chart, but then also needing to do, for example, a place card at the place yeah. setting anyway to indicate that. Right. So mm-hmm. that's helpful, um, especially if your seating chart might not be a sustainable seating chart. Like if it's printed on a foam core board, that's kind of a, you know, a, a green wedding no-no. <laughs> so it really matters what materials you're using. And overall, is this one of the more solid choices? Yeah. Um, I also love the seed paper idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seed paper. I think it's so cute, especially, you know, for people that have a green thumb or might want to have a green thumb. Um, If you're not familiar with seed paper, it's basically paper um, that's basically like made out of um, like seeds. And then basically when when you're done with, or when it's served its purpose, um, it can then be uh, potted and watered and it grows into something lovely. Um, So that's really nice. And then on that too, like if you want to like kill two birds with one stone and if you for some reason you have to have an escort card you could do seed paper escort cards and then have a little note on the back that says please keep this escort card and plant it you know when you get home it'll turn into a beautiful sunflower or something like that it's like you were in on my budget call last night that is what I we definitely was <laughs> you're just lurking on all my calls I don't even know my phone is bugged Yeah, so I think that's all really great advice. And with some of those things that are going to go directly to the guests, something we can lump into this as well is the favors. Mm, Uh, favors. First of all, favors are optional. If you Mm -hmm. don't care about favors, if they're not your thing, if you're trying to save money, just don't do them. It's no big deal. No one's expecting it. It's not a five-year-old's birthday party. Fair. That's. I mean, that's where I stand. But, you know, favors are fun. And I totally get why couples want to do them. I always, 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 no matter what the reason, whether it's keeping it green or anything else, uh, a consumable, like something you can eat, wedding saver. People will actually like that. They will actually use that. That is not some bizarre plastic promotional material thing with like a keychain with your faces and your wedding date that no one is actually going to use in the future. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
I definitely agree. I'm I'm kind of 50-50 on favors. Like they're fine. Um, they're fine if they're clever and well thought out, but I feel like if it's if you're gonna give favors, like if it's not something they can eat or something that they can use, like I would say forego it. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, you know, definitely kind of touches on that. Like you said, Kate, having something that someone can nibble on and, you know, that doesn't, you know, do anything terrible to the environment and people like nibbling on things. Um, I love marshmallows. They're tasty. Um, So if you invite me to your wedding, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So if you invite me to your wedding and have marshmallows, I'll be really happy. Um, (laughs) Well, I like the consumables too, because then you Mm -hmm. can make that do double duty. It's for example, a place or an escort. Oh yeah. For sure. You incorporate in its packaging and its labeling, you know, someone gets to keep whatever it is, like a cookie, for example, but it also says your name and your table and you bring that with you. Or maybe that's a cute little decorative piece at your place at the table and that labels where your seat is. So I think that's fun, uh, especially considering the packaging, just try to avoid plastic, try to use Mm -hmm. more sustainable stuff like seat paper and recyclable cardboard and things along those lines if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is this about an upcycled gift? Oh, on the site. Uh, so yeah, this actually mentions like one of the gifts could be a sustainable candle. And Ooh. the company that the website mentions is no longer doing wedding favors. They only do things for purchase. They used to do like wedding votive candles and stuff. Oh. But it's a great idea. So I think if you're getting like soy-based candles, maybe locally made and, you know, upcycled materials. So that's what it's contained in. That's really cool. I have seen couples do candles as favors and it went over well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that actually reminds me to mention just like with programs or like with a cake station, if you're doing something that is set out at a station for people to grab, you don't need one per guest. It's not like you're doing one per setting. So you can have a sign like, please, one per couple or you can just assume that not everyone's going to grab one. So you only need to cover, for example, two thirds of your guests with what yeah. you provide. Mm-hmm. Okay, Allison, I have I have opinions on plants as giveaways. Do you have opinions? I'm 50-50 on plants. I feel like they're, okay, first of all, plants are cute and I love them. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, but I feel like it's it has to make sense for your guests. Like if your guests are, you know, very, you know, into planting and that's like really their vibe, like that makes sense. But I think, you know, if it doesn't really make sense for your guests or if you thought, oh, that's a cute idea because I saw it on Instagram, but like, you know, your guests are not the kind of folks that would be, oh yeah, let me go and grab this air plant. Then I would say, you know, forego it. Um, And it also depends on how many people that you have. I think plants as a favor goes over well when it's a really like more intimate setting. Um, as opposed to like having 200 people and then you have to order 200, you know, succulents. <laughs> yeah. So here, here are my experiences with plants. I have never recommended them as a giveaway. I think it's cute and I'll go along with it if someone thinks of it. But in my experience, what I see happen is a couple is very, very, very into the plant idea. They love it. It's, you know, it's really making sense for them. They want to do it. Uh, they're, they're so excited. And I tell them, we don't need a ton. Not everyone's going to take them. And mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. People will take them. People will take them. We need a lot. I'm like, okay. You know, I, I really don't think so. I think we can do this quantity. And I think we need a plan for what we're doing with any leftovers. Do we want them? Or should I try to give them away to vendors? And, you know, we'll come up with a plan. And invariably, hardly anybody takes the plans. You'll get a handful of people who want several plants and they'll come mm-hmm. up to me and ask me, like, can I take a bunch? Like, yes, please, please do. Uh, but for the most part, people aren't taking them. Even people who would want them, if someone isn't a plant person who is sober-ish and going directly home, uh, they're not going to take it because they don't want to deal with it on a shuttle, at the after party, at the hotel, on their flight back. You're just not going to give that many of these away. And because it is a responsibility, it's hard for me to even give them away to vendors at the end if the couple doesn't want them. Yeah. So it's a really sweet idea. I think it's nice, especially when the plants can be worked into your decor. So those are on the tables, then we just pull them and give them away. But still, uh, if we're pulling them from the decor and they can't get pulled till very close to the end of the night, so that means more people will miss them as well. Yeah, yeah. 
stuff. That's, that's my two cents. I like plants. I, I like the spirit of giving away plants more than I like the practice because it doesn't always work out as well as we hope. Yeah. So Allison, I know we have some other things, you know, there's, we could talk about beauty and stuff like that. I think that's a little more straightforward. Just what products do you use and mm. stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, I think having a planner who focuses on sustainability is really important as well, because then they're looking for the vendors who are going to help you accomplish that. And they're going to provide helpful tips and guide you while still keeping your design and your budget and your vision on track. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're, if it's something that, if sustainability is something that's important to you, I think, you know, just be upfront with that from the beginning and set those expectations with your planner, if you have a planner and then with all of your vendors. So that way they know going in that, that that's something that it, that's important to you and they can kind of streamline the conversation to be more tailored to um, more sustainable practices. Yeah. Uh, also, I should mention quickly while we're kind of on the favors thing and we're not too far from it anyway, donations. That's great. Yes. Instead mm -hmm. of donations, if you just want to or instead of favors, if you just want to say, hey, we made a donation uh, for every guest to this organization that's really important to us, people appreciate that. Yeah. So that's a nice thing to do. It doesn't need to be showy. It's not about letting people know what a good person you are because you donated money. It's just a nice alternative if you want to opt out of more of a consumer-focused wedding favor and do something that gives back a little bit. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. All right. Allison, anything else we want to talk about? We want to talk about attire uh, or I, I think attire is a nice one to get into a little bit. Yeah, sure. Sustainable attire. Yeah. So from here, we're winging it. We're not going for any categories that are listed in the Green Wedding Guide, but a couple of things on attire. Vintage clothing. Fabulous. Is it always feasible? No. So don't feel guilty <laughs> if you don't get to use vintage clothes or rework a gown for your wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can at least focus on more local makers and more ethical makers, whether they try to use dead stock sometimes, or they try to work with vintage materials, or they simply just have manufacturing processes where they're getting uh, more ethically produced stuff, especially silks and things like that can be mm -hmm. sometimes made in very, uh, you know, good or very, very bad conditions. Uh, and are they manufacturing and tailoring and doing all of that locally? So some of these very cheap suit and gown options that you might find online that use mass manufacturing, uh, I almost never end up partnering with those businesses because every time they approach me, I will ask them, where do you do your manufacturing? Because I don't want stuff that's made by a 10 year old in a sweatshop. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And they usually can't give me a very good straight answer. And then I'm like, all right, thank you. And you know, that's the end of that. So look into where things are coming from. Fast fashion is definitely more affordable. And of course, people are going to go for it because it is a very convenient option. But if you can work with a smaller uh, designer based in your own country and uh, someone who has more oversight over their manufacturing processes and the materials they source, that's great. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, no sweatshops, please. No, thank you. I mean, I recently bought a gown, a dress from Target. So again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be holier than thou here. I get it. But <laughs> if you want to be conscientious about that, that's something to keep in mind. Awesome. Um, is there anything else? else we want to cover? Uh, I think I we've think, hit all of the major Yeah, I points. think if you're doing DIY, just do DIY with stuff that can be used again. Maybe you can give mm. it away to somebody uh, reselling is like pretty hit or miss. You may be able to resell it. You may not, but yeah. you can always donate it and get that sweet, sweet tax write off. Or you can sell it in an event like the GWA does for the recyclery. Mm -hmm. uh, do a garage sale, you know, do whatever you want, but stuff that can be repurposed so it doesn't just sit in a closet for 20 years and then end up in a dump is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like nowadays it's a lot easier to Sorry, my cat just scared the crap out of me. I didn't know she was there and her tail brushed against me. Anywho, um, I feel like there's, um, it's a lot easier to like sell things nowadays. Like you didn't have to just like rely on like a flyer on a light pole. Like now you can, you know, use like some of these different websites like Facebook Marketplace and letgo.com. And, and I feel like now, like there's, there's always, you know, a market for brides that are looking to get some of their wedding stuff, you know, at a discounted rate. So I think, 
you know, it's not a bad idea to consider, you know, donating it or if you want to sell it, trying to, you know, sell it, but um, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Uh, there are great places where you can do stuff like donate your gown to oh, yeah. so you mm-hmm. can either look for a used gown to purchase in the first place, or you can sell your gown, whether it was newly used after the fact, but you can donate. So there's Wish Upon a Wedding that uh, helps to do weddings for uh, people who are living with really dire circumstances, like a terminal illness, and they need a wedding put together for them kind of urgently by a bunch of charitable vendors. So that's a great org. Uh, they also have a gown shop here in Chicago. I'm totally spacing on the name. I'm sorry, everyone. Look it up though. Wish upon a wedding gowns and you'll find it. Uh, so yeah, there's some really cool stuff you can do. And the great thing about focusing on a sustainable wedding is you just kind of naturally end up promoting these very small, very conscientious, hyper-local businesses, which is so cool. Yeah. And they in turn are probably doing their part to promote other businesses and other small nonprofits that they give back to. So that's great. Yeah, it all comes full circle. I feel like when you're kind of trying to be more sustainably minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, even people like photographers, just asking them about what processes they use, DJs. It's not that they're necessarily going to have like hyper sustainable practices because a lot of what they do is just digitally based. But you can find out a little bit more about what they're doing and what they care about. And, you can find kind of vendors whose values align with yours, even if it's just how they're giving back with the business that they have. Yeah. Allison, what else? I feel like I didn't hear uh, you talk about Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I don't, I'm kind of spacing on any other areas that we can think of that we haven't already covered. Uh, um, travel, I mean, destination weddings, it's nice to keep them local. That's a, a good option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And maybe if you're you're doing a destination, destination, smaller. Yeah. And then if you do do destination, I mean, you can still kind of ask some of, (laughs) (laughs) you can still ask some of these similar questions, you know, that we've kind of covered, you know, what, what their sustainable practices are at the resort or, you know, if they're, you know, using sustainable vendors and things like that. So I think even if you're doing a destination wedding, a lot of these um, questions can still apply. Mm -hmm. um, And hotels. Mm-hmm. Whether a hotel is local or destination, ask what they're doing to keep it sustainable. Absolutely. And don't rely on the, oh, we don't wash your towels as much to save you water. Yeah, nobody does that. That also saves the hotel money. Uh, exactly. Dig a little deeper. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you. We, uh, I recently looked at our analytics after a long time, and we have been steadily Killing growing. It. This is exciting. Yes. Yeah, so thank, before we thank wrap you for up, your ratings. Though. Um, I want to do our listener letter. Um, Ah, I remember this time because we forgot last time. So I'm a little (laughs) bit biased because this listener letter um, was submitted by my BFF. Um, Her name is Jillian, preferred pronouns she, her. Um, So Jillian with a G or a J? With a J. Nice. Yes, she's awesome. Um, So she is in the process of planning her wedding right now. And her question is, well, I'll just read the letter. It says, first, I want to say that I've been listening since before I was engaged or even close. Your show has taught me to be a better wedding party member and guest and now helping me navigate being a bride for the second time. I'm having so much fun listening to episodes I didn't think applied to me. Uh, And then she says, totally changed my attitude towards elopement and courthouse weddings. So thank you. My question is, have you ladies seen any classy ways to acknowledge family members that are no longer with with us, either at the ceremony or reception? My fiance was close to his grandfather who has passed, and I have some cool wedding pics of my grandparents. Was thinking of maybe framing a couple for a small display. Is that creepy? I don't want to bring down the party vibe, but no, all parents would be touched to see some acknowledgement. Thanks in advance. Ah, okay. First of all, I love that she wrote in as if she doesn't know you at all. And she was just so <laughs> sweet about it. Like, I am just going to give you the best listener letter with all the praise. Yeah. And I'm going to pretend that Allison is not basically my sister already. Exactly. Uh, so good job, Jillian. You're a good friend. <laughs> uh, Allison, yeah. So she mentioned something that we usually will call a memorial table at a wedding mm-hmm. where we do have uh, photos of family members who have passed and also sometimes just photos of people who are very much alive but it's just their wedding photo and we do it that way so lots of family wedding photos yeah Um, I think it's great 
Yeah, not creepy at all. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. Um, and I think it really just depends on, you know, like your venue and, you know, kind of the layout of things, but I've seen it done a lot of different ways. Um, I've been to a, a wedding where they did, um, they had seats at the ceremony um, and then they had like framed photos of the person that would have actually sat in that seat, which was like super beautiful and touching. Um, I don't know if I would do that because I'm like emotional and I wouldn't want to like have it be in the front row and that be the first thing I see. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think that's a really, really sweet idea and a really fun way to do that. Um, I've also seen like a memorial, not necessarily a table, but almost like a memorial display. Um, actually it was a CV, um, W wedding. I was it going wasn't to ask one. like a shrine or I, I, if it was one of ours, that probably wasn't a shrine. Kind of. Um, but yeah. it was, they did this really sweet thing where they had, um, what do you call it? It's like a mantle and they mm -hmm. had the mantle and then they had, you know, candles arranged and then they had photos, um, of their past loved ones arranged in between the, the, um, candles, um in front of the mantle and I thought it was and it wasn't like a a big you know it wasn't like a thousand pictures like it, I was probably maybe like eight or ten photos kind of spersed throughout the candles um but I thought it was like a really sweet um way to display it and they ended up having that set up with their um lounge arrangement that they had um for their reception so and it was just like a nice little cozy yeah. quiet corner and you know I think it was something that the guests really appreciated and I thought it was kind of like a really unique way to do that um, I also do like the memorial table idea. I think that's always, you know, a nice way to go about that too. Yeah, I, I love all these ideas. I think a lot of it depends on your own preference, your culture and your partner's culture and what it would be considered appropriate and respectful by the families. And also not too morbid because yeah. in some cultures what uh, one person might think of as respectful, you jump to another one and they go, oh, no, 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 we, we don't do that. So checking on that uh, I would advise the placement of these items needs to be intentional so if it's yeah. a low-key family wedding photos display that happens to incorporate people who are not with you uh totally fine to make that a little more front and center but if it is just clearly photos of people who are dead um Sorry, I, I have such problems with saying passed away. I don't know why. It just it feels like a euphemism for me. And I, I you know, people who have died. Uh, I would recommend, A, keeping it far away from the restroom. You don't want mm -hmm. it to be placed right near a restroom. Not That's super fair. respectful. Mm -hmm. and, and similarly, I wouldn't put it too close to the bar. Like, keep it in its own spot where it's more serious. Yeah. And I wouldn't put it front and center. So don't make it something that is going to be, you know, in all the pictures or in everyone's view as you're coming down the aisle, you know, maybe put it closer to just a peaceful, quiet corner or another room yeah. or in cocktail hour. I think that's really nice. Uh, if they are photos that are important to you, make copies and display the copies just in case like a drunk aunt walks off with a photo she really likes that she found of your grandpa or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I say this because I have seen family photos disappear. I think they've always been tracked down once everybody sobered up but it's a thing so make copies and bring those those framed copies rather than the original if it has sentimental value uh allison you talked about doing uh the the memorial seat so saving the seat mm -hmm. and i've definitely seen this i've seen it most frequently when someone has a parent who is no longer living so yeah a bride a groom whoever it is uh a lot of the time it'll be uh, I've several times seen a bride whose dad wasn't there and she said, you know, I want, I want to do something special for my dad. We have a seat for him and some of his favorite objects. So that's another thing that I've done as well, uh, incorporating things that are meaningful or special to that person or to the family that are kind of a nod, but no one else would know. So we're not really calling it out. We're not saying this is for so-and-so. We're, we're just having that incorporated. So one time uh, I was working with a very design heavy client and she didn't have her, my bride didn't have her dad. They had been a very close family. And she said, you know, my dad used to do some, some hunting, like some pheasant hunting. And we incorporated pheasant feathers into the design as I a love to him. And that was just throughout, we had that. And I believe we even had a couple that came directly from him that we took very terrible care of. So things like that are really special. 
Yeah. And I, I, I love more like subtle things like that. Um, and I think, you know, if you, and honestly, like some folks might not necessarily be comfortable with the photo route. Um, so you can definitely make it more personal, personal to you or your fiance, whether that's, you know, having an heirloom and wearing something that belonged to your grandmother or, you know, having a photo of your grandmother in a locket and you wear that on your wedding day or have it wrapped around your bouquet or something like that. So you can do like little subtle things like that where, you know, you'll know, um, you know, your immediate family will know, but you know, it's more just for you and just like for your own like love and comfort of your loved ones. So there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. I think it's like, if you want it to be on display, that's fine. But if you want it to be a little bit more personal, um, there's ways that you can do that too. Um, so yeah. Yeah. But I think it's nice too, if you are putting it more on display, like a memorial table, uh, label who the people are so that all yeah. your guests can see that and appreciate that. And, uh, people really will like to know who's who and that's just that's interesting and people will be happy to see that and that way more people can be part of that you know because you can say this is so and so's grandfather and here's his name stuff like that is really nice and it's really appreciated by the surviving family members and by guests who don't know who that is if you don't tell them yeah so mm-hmm. uh, a couple of other things I think the bouquet thing is a great idea Alice I'm glad you brought that up I've had a lot of memorial bouquet objects whether that's a special ribbon that's made from someone's dress or uh, little icons like a locket or uh, I had a little angel bead that we put on one time for uh, someone who had been going to be in the wedding but then wasn't uh, I also really like Having a note in uh, your, if you do a program, having a note in the program is a really nice place to yeah. mention that and call that out and show your respects. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of ways. I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure with wedding planning in general. And I think when it's a situation where there are people that otherwise would have would have been there that are important to the family or to the couple, um, it could be a lot of pressure to, you know, find a way to commemorate them in some way. And I think as long as it's like, don't worry about the pressure, like as long as it's well-intentioned and meaningful, I think that that'll come through in whatever it is that you guys decide to do. Yeah. And a note too, if you're, especially if this is a recent thing, like if you're recently actively in mourning, really do what feels right to you. Don't guilt yourself and, you know, psych yourself out about what do I do? What do I not do? Uh, It's, it's something that your your loved one would want you to not be focusing on for your wedding day. Yeah. They would really want you to do whatever feels right for you. And if that means not having any nods because that's going to be too upsetting or too distracting for you, that's okay. You don't need to do it if you're not comfortable doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do what feels best. Don't, yeah. you know, don't let anyone tell you you need to do something you don't need to do with something that's so personal and so emotional. Yeah. Awesome. Great question, Jill. Thanks, Jill, for that question. And I will see you soon. Um, (laughs) Awesome. Well, with that being said, where can everybody find us? Instagram, IBWC underscore podcast, or you can email us at itty bitty wedding committee, I almost forgot, at gmail.com. Don't type in the I almost forgot part. You won't come talk. (laughs) You won't get your email. Uh, speaking of Instagram and social media and all that, Allison, we have an announcement, don't we? Yeah, we do. So we, it's a bittersweet announcement. I'm not going to lie. Um, I know. Um, so we finally decided on a end date for our season and the end date for that season will be, uh, July. What was the date? (laughs) July 7th will be our last episode of the season that we um, record right that we record um not last episode ever in life we will come back um at some point um but it's just a busy time for both of us and Kate's got a lot going on and we just need a little bit of a breather so we decided that we're going to end the season on a lovely high note and we're gonna do something super fun for our last um 
episode. Um, so what we'll be doing is instead of our normal recording of our episode, we'll be doing a Zoom instead and inviting all of our awesome, lovely listeners to join us on Zoom just to like hang out and chat and do Q&As and just kind of have like a fun time. And if you want to bring your glass of rosé, do that. I'll probably have a glass of rosé. Um, totally. Yeah, mail, so, mail us a glass. Just <laughs> mail one poured glass of rosé, please. By courier service. Um, <laughs> so it'll just be super fun. Um, and we wanted to kind of do it in a way where it's like we can kind of incorporate, you know, you guys are awesome listeners who have really just been, you know, supporting us and showing us a lot of love over the past, you know, this past season. So we'll have more details um, probably next week um, with how you can join and everything like that. So keep an eye out for that. Um, We'll have information um in this episode actually probably most likely um because this episode will air before our final episode so we'll be sure to include information in the notes and then we'll also have the information on social media as well so we're super excited and we'll definitely miss you know doing this but we're looking forward to having a little bit of a break so we can gear up for our next season which is crazy it'll be season three but, I mean, think yeah. about when we started this. We started recording in early June of last year. And I know. The world was so different. I mean, I was I was ordering everything online, I think. I, I was basically not leaving the house. Yeah, a lot of us were, like, not leaving the house at all. And, like, you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> Can we just start hoarding toilet paper again to ensure? I still hoard toilet happens? paper, actually. <laughs> I, uh, I had a friend in college who just was like really living on a shoestring budget and she never bought toilet paper. She would only steal it from her school. <laughs> I mean, hey. It wasn't me, I swear. <laughs> but I they thought that was really funny. They have a surplus of toilet paper she always had those, at your disposable. Well, she always had those like horrible single ply. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that. That was Hoagie busting in. That's uh, fine. Yeah, horrible single ply toilet paper. But on that highly relevant note, <laughs> I'll, I'll say goodbye. <laughs> So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.